Your Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Blue Jackets fans. Happy Thursday. This is Locked On Blue Jackets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Whether you are a regular listener or a first-time listener, I appreciate you. Uh, Locked On Blue Jackets is and always will be free and available on all podcast platforms. So before we get into uh, the meat of today's episode, which is uh, a conversation I had with Jack Bushman about the Seth Jones and a bocus trade and how uh, both sides are kind of looking at it in this early day, uh, we have some news. Uh, so yesterday, the World Juniors was officially cancelled after a bunch of positive tests came out uh, in players, staff members, uh on ice and off ice officials, just a real, uh, just a real cluster beep of a um, of a tournament. Honestly, uh, sucks for all those guys. Uh, it's frustrating that they're already talking about rescheduling it when they just straight up cancelled the women's event. But that's that is a, a rant for another episode. Uh, so I believe the. Uh, if the tournament does go ahead in the summer, I imagine all four of the uh, Blue Jackets prospects that took part will return for that. Uh, so we'll uh, maybe we'll get to see some more junior hockey uh, in the summer. Uh, some other other news is that the Blue Jackets have a game today, which is very exciting. Uh, they're going to be playing the Nashville Predators. Uh, and uh, Emil Bemstrom will be playing, I believe this is his first game of the season, uh, Adam Boquist returns from injury, Patrick Laine returns from injury, uh, and Boone Jenner will also be playing as he returned from COVID protocol yesterday. Uh, we will be without uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand and Eric Robinson and Yunus Corposalo. I believe uh, Elvis Muslikins will be starting, Daniel Tarasov will be backing up. Could be could be an interesting game. Uh, the Preds played last night, so they'll be tired, but also they've played more recently than literally two weeks, and also half of and you know half of their team hasn't literally just returned from COVID protocol. So we'll see how we'll see how it goes. I don't have high hopes. Uh, it will be nice to be competitive, but we'll we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's good to get uh, Boquist back. Uh, we're going to talk about him in just a minute. Uh, good to get Line back. I'm not sure if he's 100%, but I think his hand has kind of been forced a little bit, or Brad Larson's hand has been forced by the fact that they don't have players. Uh, it also kind of came out that the Cleveland Monsters, who uh, I talked about earlier this week, having been mostly unaffected by COVID protocol, as far as I could tell, uh, 14 to 15 of their players are apparently in COVID protocol right now, uh, which doesn't seem great. Uh, and Larson talked a little bit about how that kind of affected who he was able to call up to play, who he was able to call up for the taxi squad, uh, because he just kind of had to pick, like, t literally two of the five players that are not 
down with COVID at the minute. So that's kind of, that's that. Uh, I assume the AHL will probably have to make some kind of announcement soon. I think there's a call scheduled either later today or tomorrow about what they do. Uh, there's, you know, talk of, I think there's over 100 players in the AHL that are on the COVID protocol list at the minute. So it might be time to uh, do what the NHL did for a little bit and just shut it down. Try and get everyone healthy, get through this outbreak, and hopefully uh, we'll come out the other side and still have some hockey to play. That's kind of it's kind of all the news that happened over the past kind of couple of days. Uh, it's uh, not a great list of news. I'm excited that the Blue Jackets play tonight. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I didn't think it would happen until uh, they made an announcement literally about an hour ago. Uh, I've kind of been waiting for it to get cancelled because of more covid positive tests but it appears to be happening which is very exciting i'm excited to watch blue jackets hockey for the first time in two weeks so that's uh that's what we'll talk about uh in tomorrow's episode we'll talk about the game uh but uh in a minute we are going to talk a little bit about Anna Boquist and how the seth jones trade looks from my side from jack's side uh, as i talk to jack bushman from locked on Blackhawks. That's coming up in a minute. First, I want to tell you about Primal Origin Oils. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get Primal. Maybe you're that guy that has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oil will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. Their goal is to help others look good and live healthier lives through the use of natural oils. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils makes balms, oils, and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel-in beard products available. This is due to the exotic carrier blend with oils like raspberry seed, rosehip, and chia seed oil. Uh, all their products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the UK. Check out primaloriginoils.com to learn more about their full line of beard care products. Use the code LOCKEDON for a 20% discount at checkout. The combo kits make a great holiday gift, and if you're shopping for yourself, you'll be glad you did. Most companies focus on fragrance first, and that leads to a product that does not feel good on the skin. We took a step back and focused on the ingredients first to ensure a product that feels great and still smells fantastic. We know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and feel in bid to other companies you've used, and we promise you'll see and feel the difference. Remember, the code Locked On gets you 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Once again, that code is locked on, all one word, at primaloriginoils.com for 20% off. Welcome back to Locked On Blue Jackets. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Whether you are a regular or a first-time listener, I super appreciate you. But I definitely wanted to ask, in your opinion, what have you thought of, of the young 21-year-old Adam Boquist so far? Because personally... I was someone who really always liked him in Chicago. It was tough to see him go, but I understood why the Blackhawks had to get rid of him on, on the right side of their defense in order to bring in a big name like Seth. What have you been impressed with it? And what are your overall thoughts on Adam Boquist so far through his first 18 games in Columbus, Jay? Yeah, I, I couldn't be happier, honestly. Uh, he's phenomenal and he's still, he's still only a kid. He's still only 21. Uh, I think he like I had the I, I liked his game all all season. Um, he's been out injured for a while now. His last game I think was kind of the the moment where I was like, oh, this is what we have. Uh, 
he scored three goals in like two games. He had a really good weekend just before he got injured. And that was kind of the moment where I was like, oh, this is what we have. He's, we, we look at Zach Wierenski as kind of an offensive defenseman. Pairing him with, with uh, Jake Bean this season, who we flipped for that second round pick that we got from the Blackhawks, uh, has really let him play more of a defensive style. He's still offensively minded, but it allows him to kind of sit back and take a, a more kind of two-way style. And then that in turn gives uh, Anna Boquist this opportunity to be that offensive, like Rover style defenseman that, that Wierenski has been for the past couple of seasons. He's getting power play time. He's... And again, he's he's only 21. I keep forgetting that he's so young because he looks like he's been playing forever. And he's, yeah, I couldn't be happier. And I know that he was a name that we threw around with, like when we were doing mock trades in the off season. Um, yeah, he, I'm, I'm really happy with, with Boquist. I'm excited to see how he continues to grow and develop. And like, yeah, I miss, I miss Seth Jones. I think this team, I don't think this team is necessarily suffering without Seth Jones, but it's definitely a very different, uh, it's a very differently built team, especially on the back end without Seth Jones. And I think Anna Boquist is going to be a really big piece of that in the next couple of seasons. Yeah. There was never any denying that Boquist was going to be a gifted player in the offensive zone and on the power play, even at 18, when he was in Chicago for his first training camp, you're like, wow, this kid knows what he's doing when the puck is on his stick and he knows how to shoot it. I, I feel like, by moving him to Columbus where he has a guy like Zach Wierenski in front of him, you know, he doesn't have to come in and be the number one defenseman. I think in Chicago, you know, Duncan Keith is aging. Brent Sieber just retired. No one, when Boquist was here last year or even the year prior, everyone's kind of looking at him to be the future number one defenseman, right? And there's also an argument that he might have been rushed to the NHL a little too early by Stan Bowman because he was such a big name and a top 10 pick and everything I agree with that personally. I think that didn't do his development any favors. And now that, you know, he, he's got some more games under his belt as a 21 year old, he's finally, I think, putting it together a little bit more when there isn't all that pressure on him. I believe, I, I think I could be wrong on this, but I just think having a guy like Zach Orensky there who can kind of be that all around defenseman is going to make it a little bit easier for Adam Boquist to play to his style. Right. Because we, we know he's gifted offensively. I did have worries about him defensively. We're going to have to wait and see how that all transpires. But I think it's a little bit easier for him to be an offensive stud in Columbus when you have a great, smart two-way player like Zach Wierenski as opposed to where in Chicago, he was already playing top pairing minutes, you know, at 19 and 20 years old. And it's pretty apparent he wasn't ready for that defensively. Yeah, so he's kind of been flipping between the second and third pairings. Uh, and I think like that worried me at first when I was like, why do we have Adam Oquist on the third pairing? But the, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this kind of playing by committee, you know, when John Tortorella was in charge, it was basically three lines of forwards. And then the fourth line would get like four minutes of ice time a night, or the third pairing defenseman would get like seven minutes of ice time a night. It, beyond Zach Wierenski, who has taken that kind of Seth Jones spot of playing like 25 minutes a night, which I don't agree with, but is a is a rant for another time about defenseman load management. Uh, most of the defense are playing a fairly even amount of time. He's been getting, you know, upwards of 14, between 14 and 16 minutes of, of ice time a game, which is honestly about what you want. 
yeah, for, for a young guy, you know? And I think that that also has been helping if he's not, he doesn't have to play those top line minutes. And, you know, I've been talking for a long time about how um, sometimes when you play players less, it's better, you know? And I think that that was really apparent for me as well in terms of Seth Jones specifically, because how, like, how good would he be if we were not playing him 30 minutes a night? You know, if if he has if he can use that 30 minutes of energy in a 20 minute space instead, you know, how much better is he going to be? And I think that's kind of what we're seeing with Anna Boquist is if he's only playing 16 minutes a night, then he's giving everything in those 16 minutes as opposed to having to save it to play, you know, 20, 22 or, or whatever. So I think that's been a big, a big thing. And there, yeah, like you say, he doesn't have to play that top line role, like mentally. He can just kind of, Take, take his time. He can have fun with it. He doesn't have to be the number one guy. And so it does give him room to, again, make mistakes because he's a 21 year old defenseman in the NHL. You know, he's going to make mistakes. Uh, and I think, again, goes back to Brad Larson. Tortorella coaching at a Boquist kind of makes me break out in hives a little bit. Uh, but I think Larson <laughs> has been the perfect coach for, uh, a guy like Boquist for a guy like Jake Bean, who as well is still very young, but is looking really promising for uh, Cole Sillinger as well, who is the the player that we drafted with the first round pick that we swapped. You know, all these players are really benefiting from playing in Columbus, playing under Brad Larson specifically. So yeah, I, and I'm really excited for Boquist to continue to develop to yeah get a little bit better defensively. I think he does make, uh, a few more mistakes than I personally would like, probably a few more mistakes than Brad Larson would like. But as of right now, yeah, I couldn't couldn't be happier with how he's how he's looking. And I hope he's back. I think he should be back for Thursday's game, actually, which will be exciting. So, you guys have a game scheduled for Thursday? As right now, we do. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> correct. <laughs> Who knows? You know, as as of right now, I'll probably get out of recording this and it'll be cancelled. So uh, definitely, yeah. we're playing Nashville on Thursday, and that'll hey, be we got them Saturday. Day, like. The 17th of December. So, yeah, it's been a while. I also wanted to ask you about uh, another. Well, I guess he personally wasn't a part of this trade, but uh, the pick, one of the picks that the Blackhawks ended up sending over to Columbus uh, was 12th overall pick, Cole Sillinger. What have been your thoughts on Cole not only remaining in the NHL for his, is he still 18? There was 18 year old season, yes. right? Yeah, he, he doesn't turn 19 for a while. Yeah. So what have kind of you been your thoughts on, you know, him even being at the NHL level and what kind of parts of his game have you liked so far? So at first I was a little bit kind of wary of him at the NHL level. Uh, I thought he had a really good uh, Travis City tournament in Michigan. He and Igor Chinikov kind of showed up and just beat the brakes off of everyone. Uh <laughs> They came back, had a really good training camp, and there was there's a really there was a really good quote from Brad Larson where he like was talking to Cole Sillinger and he said, you know, I keep looking for reasons to to send you back to juniors or to to send you down, and I just can't find any. So he made the NHL opening night, played his nine games, played his tenth game, made it. He, I think, is exactly what this team needed from that twelfth overall pick. I think a lot of people have been looking at the the fifth overall pick we got, Kent Johnson. Uh, he's playing for Team Canada in the World Juniors at the minute. He, I think, is what people think of when they think of, you know, young star player. 
Cole Sillinger is not putting up points in in the way that I think people want him to, uh, but he's got, I want to say, 11 or 12 points in in his 28 games so far. He's been playing first-line centre for parts of the season. You know, he's been playing between Varacek and Patrick Laine for a big part of the season. Like, that's that's a heavy line for an 18-year-old to play on, you know, to go against some of the, the best centres in, in this league. And he's been doing it with, I think, a really good attitude, a really good energy, uh, clearly a really smart kid. Uh, and uh, yeah, again, I'm I'm really happy with this with this draft pick. Uh, I don't I think if it wasn't for guys like Lucas Raymond ruining everything by putting up like a million points, then you know, Cole Sillinger I think would be one of the top rookies this season. But because he's not putting up the points. I don't think he's getting as much attention, but he's playing center, which is the hardest position to play as an 18 year old. And, you know, again, getting 20 minutes a night. That's, that is a lot for a kid doing his playing his first full season of pro hockey. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, 11 points in 28 games isn't, you know, that's no slouch either. Uh, But Cole Sillinger was also one of my favorite players that, you know, Go previewing the draft. I'm thinking the Blackhawks are going to have the 12th overall pick. So no, it's a cool. I just spent two weeks breaking down prospects that were in the 10 to 15 range. No biggie. Thanks for wasting my time, Stan. Um, but hey, I mean, that- I I spent a bunch of time looking at the top five guys because we had we had so we had fifth, 25th, and 32nd. Those were our three first round picks. Uh, and I did a bunch of research for like the first, I don't know the first like one to six guys. And then I did a bunch of research for like the 25 to 30 guys. And then obviously about six hours before the draft, the trade came in and I was like, cool. I don't know anything about guys between like eight and 18. <laughs> and so they were like, Cole Cylinder. I was like, oh, that would be neat. He was born in Columbus. His dad played here. Right. Uh, don't know anything about him. So, and then they drafted him and I had to kind of just pull a bunch of stuff out my butt about this player that, as of right then, I did not know a ton about. Come up in a minute. I've got the end of my conversation with Jack. But first, I've got to tell you about Bet Online. And but first, I've got to tell you about Bet Online because they've got you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues their march to the playoffs, the NHL season continues their march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this season. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code locked on or one word to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Once again, that is promo code locked on or one word l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n at betonline.ag betonline where the game starts when you look at the fact that you know play like teams like ottawa picked tyler boucher at 10th overall and then you look at cole sillinger at 12th you know he's i believe the only player in the in the draft that is playing in the nhl uh, William Eklund got his nine games and went back to Sweden. Mason McTavish got his nine games and went back to Peterborough. Cole Sillinger's, he's sticking it out. He's having a great season. And it's all the more impressive that he got picked 12th after that. Um, mm-hmm. 
but more what I'm trying to get to here is the more I think about it, the more I really do feel like this is going to be a trade that will benefit both sides. I, I really agree with that. As long as, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, Seth has eight more years on this deal. There's a while before we're going to, we're going to know who won and lost this trade officially. Adam Boquist is still very young in his career. We don't know exactly what Cole Sillinger is going to be. And there's another pick in there too. So, but, but the more I think about it, the more I feel like I already mentioned it a little bit earlier. I think Adam Boquist is just a better fit in an organization like Columbus right now. Whereas the Blackhawks needed a number one defenseman, right? Duncan Keith was their number one defenseman for probably four years too long. Like that has been a glaring hole for this team for forever. And Seth Jones has been awesome. And in my opinion, in most people's opinions, you know, there are those, I'm not going to say I'm against analytics, but there are people who strictly live and die analytics and Seth Jones's analytics aren't the best right now. They're not terrible by any means, but some people argue that they're not number one defenseman level. What, what you th- get from this guy is number one defenseman stuff. He's one of the few players on this Blackhawks team that is able to create offense. Basically he, Patrick Kane, Brandon Hagel, and Alex DeBrinkett are, are the four pieces of this offense that have carried the load through 30 games so far this season. And Seth's also playing, you know, 25, 26 minutes a night without him. I honestly don't know if this, first off, the Blackhawks defense, no one provides anything offensively except for Seth Jones. He was the leading scorer for this team for a couple of games there. He's got 23 points through his first 30 games. He didn't top 30 points in each of his last two seasons with Columbus. He's already almost there in nearly half the games. He's been spectacular, and this is the type of play, you know, if you told me these numbers now, and Seth would be one of the not only uh, the leading defenseman in points this season, but, you know, among the Blackhawks team leaders and also a top five in time on ice, I'd be like, yes, that's exactly what this team has needed. The money, it is what it is at this point. You know, Seth wasn't the one that's, you're not going to blame him for signing the contract, right? I always hate that the most. You get mad at the player for making so much money when he doesn't live up to it. It's like, you would have signed that contract too, buddy. But (laughs) Seth, I think has done everything in his power to live up to that $9.5 million price tag. And that's what the Blackhawks needed more so than anything was a new face on defense to come in and take over after the Duncan Keith era. And Adam Boquist at 21 years old, I think that just would have been a little bit too much pressure on his shoulders. And who knows, maybe he would have lived up to the expectations, but the Blackhawks needed someone to live up to those expectations right now. And there's no doubt that Seth Jones being a veteran is a, is capable of doing that more so than Adam Boquist was. So to me, I just more so am realizing that I think this trade could come out as a victory for both sides here. As long as, you know, everyone remains healthy, Seth Jones, that price tag, I think is really going to be the make or breaker. Um, yeah. When he's making nine and a half million at the age of 35, I think it might be a different conversation, but I think the, the thing for me has always been, okay, what would make this trade a win? for you would it be winning a stanley cup in the next eight years it would off be... the back of seth jones you know <sighs> would it be seth jones winning a norris would it like what what would what would have to happen for you to consider this trade a win i think too often there is this idea of just pitting the players against each other you know um i've had this conversation about the uh the taylor hall adam larson trade 
um, or the uh, PK Subban Shea Weber trade. You know, the one for one trades. You look at them, and immediately I think there was this ind- there was this instinct to be like, okay, well, clearly Nashville won that trade because they got the better player in PK Subban. Uh, and then you look at what Shea Weber did in Montreal, and you're like, well, no, I think, you know, Shea Weber is not as good a player as PK Subban. Uh, but he, what happened in Montreal, I think, makes that trade a win. And okay, maybe Anaboquist will turn out to be a better defenseman than Seth Jones. Maybe you know the combination of uh, Jake Bean, who we didn't even talk about, but is is doing pretty well. Uh, the combination of Jake Bean, Cole Sillinger, uh, Anaboquist, and then whoever we get with this other draft pick if they combine to be better than Seth Jones, like, is that a win? Or is it a case of, well, no, we got what we needed, which was young pieces for this, you know, pseudo rebuild that the armor refuses to call a rebuild. Or is the winner, the Blackhawks, who got the number one defenseman, that okay, maybe is not doing as well analytically as people want him to, but is driving this offense and is a game changer for the Blackhawks right now, you know? And I think it's, it's, it's so easy to say, oh, well, this team won because they got the better player. And I'm like, okay, but what did the team need? You know? Definitely. So I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it, it's, I would love to sit, sit here and say, oh yeah, Columbus clearly won this trade. You know, I judge, we joke about it a lot about, you know, Stan Bowman got fleeced three times by, <laughs> by Yama Kekalayan and twice with Brandon Saad, you know? Um, but it's sometimes that's what the you get what you need in a trade and i think it's an easy joke to make that we fleeced you but that isn't necessarily the the case i think i definitely think that's very i really hope everyone that listened to that really takes that into heart because i think you put it perfectly like it's so easy especially immediately to be like oh who won you know that's what everybody wants to do they see a trade and they're like all right who got the better end of this deal everybody wants to do that and i completely understand it But A, you have to consider, like you said, the teams, what they need the most, right? That should be put put into account. And also, you got to wait some time. You can't, you're not going to know the winner and loser right there, right then. You got to see how things play out. Exactly. Cole Soldier hasn't even hit puberty yet. Like, what do you want me to do about (laughs) it? (laughs) Exactly. But I, I definitely think this deal has the potential to suit both teams needs i think that's something i've kind of realized a little bit more i I will admit i think columbus i I think the blackhawks took the riskier side i'll I'll admit that because considering how columbus has been able to you know kind of revitalize that prospect pool of theirs with kind of one big trade like that you know you get sillinger a good young defenseman like jake bean who is kind of needing a new home and you also get adam boquist who has the potential to be an elite offensive defenseman in this league I think it's easy to, you know, to say that Columbia or the Blackhawks took a little bit bigger of a risk, but at the same time, you got to take risks to, you know, you got to risk it to get the biscuit. And Seth Jones is the type of player that really can make a big impact. I've honestly, it was a little bit of a struggle early on for Seth coming into a new team, a new system, new teammates and everything. And there were a couple nights. I can't remember which game it was specifically, but a couple minutes in the game, he made a bad play, got turned, got got burned in transition, allowed a breakaway, and everyone was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> and and then like ever since then, under Derek King, honestly too, um, he's really found his game. And 
I could make an argument for him or Mark Andre Fleury, both being the MVP of this Blackhawks team since Derek King has taken over. They both have been that tremendous. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely more excited now. I, uh, about Seth Jones that I am worried. Like I was a little bit earlier on in the season, I'm confident that he can be that number one defenseman for the Blackhawks. And I think he's just that kind of guy who can, can provide you with a little bit of everything, right? He's a very good puck mover, but he's also got some size to him and he's not going to back down in the defensive zone. So I think that combination, uh, is really what the Blackhawks have needed. And, like you are for Adam Boquist, Cole Sillinger, and that young slew of players in Columbus. I'm super excited to see how this Blackhawks back end is going to transition with Seth Jones at the helm. Yeah, and I think something else as well about Seth Jones is uh, I talked to uh, Micah McCurdy, who is one of my favorite stats guys uh, on Twitter. You can go find his stuff at, at Ineffective Math if you're if you're not familiar. Uh, I talked to him about the basically the splitting up of, of Wierenski and Jones who had been attached at the hip basically since Wierenski had joined the NHL. Uh, and so we were talking about, like, who are these players apart? Uh, and you look and Wierenski has assumed kind of a little bit more of a defensive role because that's what Seth Jones did. And then you, you just talked about how he didn't crack 30 points in each of his last two seasons for Columbus. He's already at 23. Putting him with, uh, I don't know if he's still playing with Calvin DeHaan, but that's who he was playing the mo- like the bulk of the season yep. with. Having a player like DeHaan is allowing Jones to be way more offensively minded. He doesn't have to sit back and play defense. And so it does feel very much like this trade was the best thing for both of their games. It's allowing Wierenski to be a little bit more of a two-way defenseman, play a little bit more defensively. He doesn't have to put so much, he has to, there's no, not a lot, there's not as much pressure on him to be that offensive rover defenseman because we have like four other rovers on the team. Uh, it's basically just Gabri- uh, Vladislav Gavrikov and five rovers on the, on the Blue Jackets back end <laughs> at the minute. But on the, on the flip side, Seth Jones doesn't have to be all defense all the time, except on the, like uh, most of his points came on the power play with us. And I know he's putting up power play points like nobody's business on the Blackhawks, but he's also getting even strength points because he can, do that. He doesn't have to play defense as much because he's playing with Calvin DeHaan. So it could be that Seth Jones was never going to reach his full potential on the on the Blue Jackets playing with with Zagorinsky. So maybe yeah. And, and again, it goes back to what makes this trade a win for for this team. Is it that Seth Jones is better than Adam Boquist? Not necessarily. Is it that Seth Jones makes this team good? That's what I would argue. That's definitely a, a fair thing to keep in perspective. And that's kind of all I've got for you today. Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, tomorrow we will break down tonight's game against the Nashville Predators. We'll talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, hopefully we'll have some updates on the whole COVID situation. Uh, and we'll do a little bit of a mailbag too, I think. So if you have questions for that, uh, you can email me at lockdownbluejackets.gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find this podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jackets and also wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for being me your first listen of the day. If you want to, you should make your second listen of the day. 
uh, locked on Preds as they are also previewing tonight's game. Uh, Anne and Nick do a great job over at Locked on Predators, so you should check them out if you want the inside scoop on the competition. And uh, that's, like I said, that's all I've got for you today. Uh, until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on.